HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. This is Chef Emily Peterson, host of Sharp and Hot. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. And this is Greenhorns Radio, radio for young farmers by young farmers. I'm coming to you live from Adirondack, and I'm joined by Gall, who is in Montana, Missoula, Montana. Hello, welcome to the show, Gall. Hi, Severin. We're actually in Bozeman, Montana. Oh, I'm so sorry, Bozeman, Montana. Yeah, and you but guys similar, have similar demographic. I'm sorry. You guys have competing universities, as, as many states do. Yeah, it's a similar demographic for sure. Um, so let's get straight into this into the meat of the matter. You are a cattle, cattleman, <laughs> cowboy man in the holistic framework who discovered uh-huh. very well that there is a, another way to do business um, in bringing together other grass-fed beef, uh, lamb, pork producers whose um, methodologies and stewardship match your own to market collectively under the Montana Meat brand. How did, how did it go for you starting a brand from scratch? Give us the Oh, story. man. Like a boy in the woods. That's, it definitely wasn't my skill set. Had to just kind of forge the way and learn as we went. Made as, as many but as small mistakes as possible in order to learn what we what was the best path for really just moving the most animals at the highest premium for ranchers, the lowest cost for consumers, and trying to keep it all here local. Yeah, it's uh, it's like ninja tricks, huh? Like ninja tricks. Like a hat trick, yeah. For sure. Magic tricks. Magic tricks. So let's just get a little bit quickly into the economics of this. Um, to, give a, to give a picture why it's worth all the hassle of being vertically integrated and cooperative and and talking to the grocery stores and and organizing cold storage and then trucking and insurance yeah. and mm-hmm. packing and cut and pack and and labels and all this headache and nightmare uh what's the <laughs> alternative on the commodity Sounds pretty grim 
Uh, well, I'll let you know on that. We're uh, we're not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel yet, but uh, we're getting glimpses glimpses of it, and there's you know a lot of potential with what we're doing. Uh, we need a lot more manpower, woman power. Uh, it's a really small initiative at the moment, and uh, it's it's really gratifying to to make these connections. Uh, really, what what needs to happen next is, is just to to do it at scale. We're kind of small beans for what this this project really needs to be, which is a a much larger collaborative, more producers, more distributors, more processors, more beef, more lamb, more pork. Well, you can kind of see why our elders who are, you know, making decisions around cooperative marketing and the Beef Checkoff Program and Cattlemen's Association and various commodity groups, why they got together in the first place for, you know, collaborative marketing. That's right. uh, It makes a lot of sense the more you look at it, doesn't it? Yeah, well, you know, we're really not reinventing the wheel in many senses. We're kind of pulling from several eras in time to create what we're doing, kind of some from the late 1800s, some from the mid-40s, 50s, when there was the Packer cooperatives, like in the Midwest and even on the East Coast, Missouri Beef Packers, Iowa Beef Packers, they had those, uh, which is, you know, now IBP, uh, much different than it was then. You know, it's a, it's a, it's an entirely different uh, set of uh, rules and a different playing field now, but it's really the same issues we're de- dealing with, and it makes just as much sense now as it, as it, as it ever did. Um, so there's two kind of major themes that I, I was hoping to really cover with you, and one is around the um, the economics in the mainstream beef world and uh-huh. what they've been kind of doing and are looking like they're going to keep doing, and what the pr- mm-hmm. and and just as a as a kind of background, and the other is uh, as you're looking at the market uh, market end of your sustainable beef world, what's happening mm-hmm. there and kind of, kind of what needs to keep happening there for us to, mm-hmm. well, for you to succeed, really. Mm-hmm. Okay, what do, you, what do you want to start with? Let's start with, let's start with you growing up and what your insights were from watching your own, oh. um, your own family dealing with the commodity. Going way back. Well, I'm 32 years old now. I uh, wasn't I'm born on my family ranch, but raised there for most of my my life, um, and which was a very conventional kind of family ranch, mom and pop, cow calf operation. Um, and we, you know, had about 150 mama cows at that point, and sold all of our calves to the to the auction or to contract markets, which at that point went to the Midwest and got fed out on corn or maybe background to that. That next that next summer, um, and then you know put into the to the big the big machine food system um, declined and declined. Our family history really goes back quite a ways beyond me. I'm the I'm the fourth generation cattleman in in the, in the Greater Yellowstone area. We originally homesteaded in the Jackson Hole region, and as soon as ranching kind of got to be unsustainable down there with land prices the way they were and the, the changing demographic. Uh, my grandpa moved up 
to the Madison Valley, which is quite looking very similar to how my great-grandfather saw the, uh, or, yeah, how my great-grandfather saw Jackson Hole in those days. So we're seeing the same pressures with the recreational market in the land, and, um, but also on the, on the big food system, seeing the, we're seeing calf prices diminish to where it's uh, pennies on the dollar to what it was, uh, you know, back in the early 1900s and a gradual course uh, downward from there. So we kind of took the initiative and started doing some direct marketing beef sales, and um, that led to opening a re- or buying a retail store in, in Bozeman and trying to sell our beef that way, and that wasn't working, so we tried to, to actually do the processing ourselves and not have a retail store and just do direct to wholesale accounts and consumers. Um, but the piece that was lacking then was the marketing so we went and uh, tried to put some more time in that, but we're just floundering there, just trying to do all all parts of the of the equation, like the real vertical integration that, you, that you're talking about. However, it wasn't um, working because we didn't have all those skill sets, and we were, you know, ranchers. We, I think, some people will agree and sympathize with trying to do, you know, production, processing, marketing, sales, distribution. I mean, it's just a huge monster to to do at any sizable. Uh, even just to move a small family ranch's animals, it would take a whole team to do all that. So where we're at now, when I formed the, the Montana Meat Company, uh, we decided that we were just going to focus on that part, being the sales, marketing, distribution part, and try to do that really well and, and uh, collaborate with other ranchers to leverage supply and really have kind of that uh, branding as well to appeal to the markets that, saw, you know, a band of ranchers working together to uh, source these, these really wholesome products. And uh, so that's how I came to where I'm at, pretty much. And do you feel like the, the skills that are in there in that other part of the value chain are, are learnable and totally doable? And it's just a question of figuring out the people who are able to do a part-time, you know, hustle, being a person yeah. at the desk or... In your own evaluation, in your own experience, what were some of those, what are the, like, overcomable roadblocks in setting up that uh, that, in, that yeah. human infrastructure? Well, to answer your first question, I can say that with one word, and that's totally. I mean, if I did it, a freaking rancher from Montana can learn sales, marketing, you know, and all that crap. It's totally doable for some of these bright minds coming out of the the ag colleges or ag degrees to, uh, you know, to pick up that and, and uh, make it happen. It's not rocket science. Um, as far as the production side, I mean, that's, you know, my upbringing and the holistic management part of it definitely was not my upbringing, but um, that helped. Um, it's, it's definitely assimilate. People can assimilate that, that stuff. Uh, my wife had no experience with, with ranching, but but took... Uh, holistic management course in college and and, and totally got it. I, mean, I, th- I see a lot of these, these new agrarians entering into agriculture and it, it really gets me excited and makes me excited to be on, on your on your show here. Um, I would love to attract those sort of individuals to what I'm doing on all levels with, with the production side, with the, with the sale to marketing side, the distribution. Um, it's all it's all a big picture scene with with you know moving 
local grass-fed meats. It's, uh, that's just the bottom line. Um, big hurdles to get through. Uh, I mean, I'm still getting over the, the biggest hurdle, which is getting into the scale category that, that really makes a difference. Um, I mean, just getting your bookkeeping on on course, uh, relying on processors and working with processors is a, is a big challenge with what I do and and networking that to the markets, uh, you know, landing the accounts. I mean, these are all little hurdles. I mean, the the big picture is really the big the big thing that we're all striving towards. But no, I think it's for an entry level for people that are motivated to get into this to any part of this business. It's it's totally attainable. And you don't even have to have to have a college education for most of it. Yeah, I think it's an in, it's an interesting history to remember that the the grain movement during the kind of cooperative boom in the 1880s and 1890s, mm-hmm. you know, up until the 1940s, they were really focused on cooperative enterprise and you know enterprises that were yep. designed to benefit the farmers who were the owners that were owned locally that were managed cooperatively and democratically. And they discovered that, well, they didn't only discover, but then they enacted their insight by starting a management school to help people, you know, especially kind of in professional development context, um, get to the point where they could take on these positions. And I feel like um, we have amazing, we have amazing administrative capacity now, all of us, we're all our own secretaries doing email all day and managing spreadsheets for our lives. Uh, we're almost like better prepared perhaps than they were. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, back in 1940, if you said grass-fed, you'd be like, what? Isn't everything grass-fed? I mean, it's, a, it's really a recent phenomenon that, that there's this, this, this big machine that makes corn or grain-finished Bees in the Midwest. It's really not that old. So let's talk about the consumer end and your, you know, your like frank analysis of the demand side and mm-hmm. um, how much possibility there is to really grow a realistic or authentic beef economy mm-hmm. um, with, with what people are willing to pay and how people are eating beef in America right now. Well, it's certainly changing. Uh, grass-fed has certainly uh, made its presence in the, in the, the meat market. Uh, people are becoming more aware of the health benefits. Uh, chefs are, are asking for it. And beyond grass-fed, they're asking for local, which is almost trumping grass-fed these days. Um, there, there's getting to be, you know, a, a sizable market share for for the kind of kinds of things that we're producing. Um, and I, I don't think it's stopping. I think it's going to keep going um, at the rate at which we purveyors can make it accessible. Uh, some people or some companies, uh, I saw the uh, Painted Hills brand out of the West Coast has now a grass-fed product. They're starting to be on some, and I, and I don't know what's behind that. And I, I've even heard in, in Safeway or some big stores, they're starting to get grass-fed uh, beeves, I know some of those are coming from South America, but, uh, you know, like with any fat, it's going to get diluted. People are going to try to put their spin on it. Uh, I think we all have to be careful in protecting what, what this niche is becoming. And a lot of that starts with, with the product. Uh, in the beginning, in the beginning with grass that started 
started to get popular, uh, a rancher would, you know, pluck a pluck a steer out of the field or a cow even, and and get it harvested and processed and say, here, here's a, here's a grass-fed animal. Um, but uh, that and that probably turned some noses at at uh, uh, that kind of experience. And there's some of those things that we're still trying to, you know, represent the the product to those those people that were turned off by that, you know, tough, chewy, low marbling uh, steak. Uh, we have a, a finishing protocol that's that's getting dialed in by the year, by the year and. Uh, consistently r- rates in the in the low choice bracket and, and moving up. It's uh, it's a, one of our our markets over in Helena got their first grass fed beef carcass from us and uh, they were really scratching their heads if it was actually grass fed. They, they really wondered if it was um, a you know corn finished animal because it had the added marbling that takes a lot of uh, regimen to get a grass finished animal too. Um, so those factors, you know, and, uh, you know, the media with these films, uh, exposing what's going on with our conventional food market, uh, it's definitely just opening up that, that, that share for us, local grass fed, you know, the organic, uh, the natural, they're becoming a more significant share of the market. And it's just our job to get it to that level of scale to where we can, to where we can tap it. I mean, we're, we're doing good with our little, Bozeman and surrounding area uh, markets, and I mean to to reach beyond that is totally out, outside of our grasp at the moment. We need to have you know teams helping us, you know, getting a strong uh, uh, sales force and and people on the phone, people on the ground, people handling product. It's just uh, a lot of infrastructure to put together that you know I didn't I didn't have the the, the startup to to make that happen right off the bat. And I know other companies have tried and succeeded and, and failed. And uh, I think there, as this grows, there's going to be more efforts like this. Probably an earful. Well, we only, have, we only have a couple minutes more, but I, I wanted to just touch briefly on how does the holistic management framework and the kind of big picture goal that you're working on, how does that help you on the everyday orient yourself and prioritize. Um, do you see holistic management as a useful tool in kind of more like landscape scale or watershed scale uh, infrastructure rebuilding? Well, absolutely. I mean, we, we, we could crack into this can of worms pretty deep, but the holistic management framework that, uh, you know, is simply a decision-making tool uh, can can be used on it on any business um, in terms of, a, of the land management aspects of holistic management. Uh, you know, most of the ranches that are in the collaborative are, are aware or have gone to uh, the schools or read the books um, to gain a lot of the principles and practice them on their own ranches. We use a, uh, uh, they're, they're not exactly called a third-party certification uh, organization, but they, they do uh, all of our sustainability criteria. The Western Sustainability Exchange is their name, and they certify all of our ranches and uh, take take that into account with how how they, uh, of course, manage the land and handle their animals humanely and how the animals are finished and what they're fed and what they're not given. Uh, okay, 
Um, we're we're really almost at the end, but I have one last question. Mm -hmm. Our, um, number one is: Are you hiring? And what are you looking for in a ranch hand young cowboy that they can prepare themselves to to be uh, a good employee for someone like you? Okay. Uh, well, we actually have some standing offers on the table with uh, their uh, their commission based, primarily jobs that work with the meat company, more on the sales uh, and marketing side. Uh, we we don't the Montana Mito does not uh, partake in the in the production. I mean, my family ranch does uh, is one of the producers, but um, you know, we ourselves don't, don't don't hire ranch hands, so to speak. But for those individuals that would be interested in, in joining our team with uh, the meat company, we, we do have like independent contractor uh, positions, uh, you know, offers available uh, that are. Uh, standing, yeah. Maybe feel free to contact me for uh, learning more about those jobs. Awesome. Feel free to also check out the new agrarian program through the Kivira Coalition. They have a list of, I think, about 13 different ranches now that are offering positions that you have to go and negotiate. It's not a push-button type thing, but they've made it a mm -hmm. lot easier to interpret the opportunities out there. Kivira yeah, they're, they're great folks. They're great folks. Yeah. Um, thank you, girl, for coming on the show and for your incredible leadership. I I wish you the great, greatest success. Thank you, Severin. Very impressive. I'm excited to, to follow your show. Yippee skippy. See you all next week or listen to you or talk at you. Bye-bye. Heritage Radio Network is a member-supported nonprofit organization broadcasting over 30 live shows a week. To learn more and donate, visit our website or connect with us on iTunes, Stitcher, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram for more. Thanks for listening.